Hey everybody, Dr. Jared Rogers here coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee with my podcast, Hallowed Truth. I'm here today with a buddy of mine, Chris. Hello. And Chris is going to share his story of his buddy who unfortunately took his own life. Yeah, uh, it was my good friend, uh, Bernie. We'd met when I joined the, joined the Army and we basically did basic training and... Um, AIT and actually got stationed at the same duty station at the same time and at Fort Carson, Colorado. And we became great friends, you know, to the point where, you know, we were, we were really brothers, you know, even after we'd both gotten out of the army, we'd constantly stayed in contact with each other. Uh, I, I continued to live in Colorado and then he moved, he moved back home to Philadelphia, which was, uh, a problem for him. <laughs> you know, I mean, one of the reasons that he joined the army was because of, he got in a lot of trouble and and he was already kind of mixed up in some drugs already then before he joined the army and joined he got out he hated philadelphia he hated it he, he knew what it what it would do to him and when he his you know when he first moved back he ended up getting you know well he was actually doing some some crazy shit. Uh, I always considered Bernie. He was very much an outlaw in the world. He loved being an outlaw. Say he was a criminal, but he was definitely an outlaw. Um, well, he was mule and coke for the guys who ran the barbershop down the road from where he grew up. And he ended up getting uh, popped on the um, Ben Franklin Bridge going into New Jersey. He was taking it down to Atlantic City. Um, got arrested by everybody. Uh, the Port Authority... Um, New Jersey State Police, Philadelphia Police, everybody was there. They locked him up. You know, of wow. course, he denied everything. He was like, I didn't, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not, that's not mine. I just rented this car. I'm heading down to Atlantic City to party and whatnot. Um, when he got locked up, he felt like he was going to be dead in jail because of the people that he was doing it for. And um, he was in jail for three days. And finally, his lawyer just came in and said, because I guess apparently the police were arguing over who were going to take the caller. New Jersey was like, no, he was all over the bridge. So Port Authority said no. Philadelphia was like, it's mine. So they didn't charge him with anything. So they ended up having to let him go. <laughs> well, <laughs> Never he, charged him with anything. Talk for, about getting lucky. Getting lucky, yeah. Um, his dad got him, came and picked him up out of jail, gave him about 300 bucks and told him to go to the Poconos. <laughs> said and don't don't call anybody until I call you. So time had passed. I hadn't heard from him in a while, you know, and I'm like, oh shit, you know, it's bad news. Uh finally he resurfaced, kind of told me the story, and I was like, You're a lucky son of a bitch. He goes, I knew better than to, you know, rat these people out because well, I'd have been dead. Sure. You know, and I had to wait for my dad to call me to tell him everything kind of cooled off. Well, you, you said something different. You said he was muling. So I mean that's a, yeah, that's a but he bit. was doing he was doing cocaine and and you know and and drinking and and most likely smoking some weed. He never really liked weed that much, but he definitely smoked some weed here and there. But then he found crack, and which really made him turn into a crazy kind of outlaw. You know, I I didn't hear from him for a long time, and and then I heard from him, and I knew I always knew when he told me he's like. Chris, things are things are getting crazy, man. Things are getting crazy. And I knew he'd already been in and out of rehabs, of course. Um, whenever he said that to me, I always knew that, oh, shit, here we go, you know. And then he just kind of like, poof, you know, couldn't get a hold of him. I would say, 
you know, I mean, it wasn't like we called each other every day or anything, but we definitely stayed in contact. And I hadn't heard from him from about for about three or four months. And so finally, I just called his parents and they're like, his mom picks up the phone. And she's like, she's like, oh, Chris, uh, I'm going to have you talk to his, talk to Bernie, his dad. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, how's it going? I just, you know, checking up on Bernie to see was where he was at. And I hadn't heard from him. Well, I thought maybe change his phone number or something. He's like, yeah, he's in the uh, he's in the Bucks County Jail. <laughs> like, okay, so he was still still alive. He was still alive, and I'm just kind of giving you the backstory between me and him. And sure. And um, I was like, oh yeah. I was like, well, that's good. <laughs> I was like, well, you know what I mean. He goes, I know what you mean. Because I was like, because my wife asked me, she's like, yeah, hadn't heard from him. He's like, well, I was like, either he's dead or he's in jail. And well, he was in jail, so that was a good thing. So as a joke, me and my wife sent him a uh, a sympathy card, <laughs> which later when he got out, he told me, he's like, that was the best thing I got ever in jail. <laughs> well, it was probably, it was probably that he knew somebody cared enough about him to even think about him. Yeah. I mean, you guys had that kind of relationship. Yeah, we right? definitely had, had a huge bond. Like I said, we really became brothers in the army. You know, we went to Somali and Haiti together and, and, you know. Had a lot of good times out in Colorado. Had a lot of good times afterwards. Um, part of him going to jail, because his dad told me, he's like, I was like, well, what did he do? And he's like, he robbed the same gas station twice. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he's and then after Bernie had gotten out of jail, he told me, he was like, well, so I went there to get to get cigarettes and I ended up robbing the place but then I left and I forgot that I didn't get cigarettes so I went back and he's like he's like I was just so out of my head on crack and shit and he's like it was just it was just it was out of control and, and I understand that's yeah. not supposed to be a funny story but no but it was but I, but he but intentionally I think he like he said later after he'd gotten out of the rehab after he you know he had to do a forced rehab in jail and then he gotten out and and he goes, he goes, really? He goes, I wanted to be arrested. He's like, I was, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. You know, you'd be surprised how many people I've spoken to that actually have told me that they wanted to be arrested because that was the only way that they would not right. go get more drugs or that's right. the only way they wouldn't do some kind of criminal right. activity. Right. And then that was kind of his, like, his, like, I, I, I need help. I need to be arrested because if I'm out here, I'm just going to continue to to do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So <clears throat> he gets out of jail, cleans up for a while. Um, of course, he was a veteran, so and he he you know we'd seen some things that you know you know most normal people really wouldn't enjoy seeing and things like that and and you know and me being his friend, we always talked and you know sometimes it would really eat him up. You know it was it was tough on him. And that's when I knew it was about time for Bernie to start using drugs again. You know, when he'd start, you know, like, oh, man, I just I just can't get it out of my head. You know, I'm just it's depressing me. You know, I had to do things I didn't want to do. And I used to tell him, I'm like, look, man, I mean, I understand. You know, I mean, we can't unsee or unsee what we've seen or undo what we've done. You know, we just we have to come to terms with it. If you can't, then, you know, it's just going to continue to eat you up. Sure. You know. So, you know, and just just so just so we're clear, because we won't go into detail on that, of course, but 
a lot of people don't understand when you go overseas, the things that you actually have to do right. and what it, how it weighs on you when you come back. Right. You know, that's, yeah. I mean, you go from, you know, you know, pretty much chaos and then you come back to the normal world and, you know, you really only have the people who, you know, you were with around you to able to relate to all that. It's like, it was tough on, you know, even me, it was tough on my wife trying to relate to me afterwards and, just the the um, like I always remember just coming back and it just being so quiet, just like it's just just quiet, you know, like my ears would ring at night and I couldn't sleep and I'd walk out and and I'd have like a couple shots of Jack Daniels and, and then she'd come out she's like yeah I'm like yeah I'm all right I'm all right yeah it's a lack but there was of a real pig period at that time you know after we came back and then we went to Haiti and actually the Haitians were great and. You know, they were actually great, even though they were in a fucked up situation. Excuse my French. Um, they were happy we were there. You know, we I actually had a pretty good time when I was in Haiti with the army. <laughs> I got the worst sunburn of my life. And then after Haiti, you know, we decided I decided and he we both decided like, yeah, we're, I'm pretty much done with the army and I'm going to get out. You know, I don't want to do this no more. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Well. When you came back, how did, what's it, let me ask you this, man. What was the difference in how you were able to cope with things as opposed to? Um, well, a lot of times it would be very, you know, I mean, there's definitely periods of, you know, aggression that wasn't necessary, you know, where, you know, things could just set you off very easily. You know, so, I mean, a lot of guys dealt with a lot of, you know, fighting afterwards, like in the bars and, 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 getting drunk of course i did my fair share of drinking too but i never i was married so i didn't really live on post but those guys were just encapsulated into this insanity because we had some because we came back we didn't have anything to do we we're waiting for our equipment to come back and there was probably like a month and a half where those guys just totally fucking cut loose you know a lot of them got in a lot of trouble just because of you know all this you know anger i guess inside of us still you know <laughs> And we were just trying to look at way, look for ways to get rid of it. So, um, like I said, and after, you know, at the, most of Bernie's drug problems were after the Army and after he'd gotten out. And, and um, so we'll just kind of flash forward here a little bit. And one day he calls me up after he gets out of jail, I think, again. I think he was robbing, like, robbing the change out of washing machines at his apartment complex so he could buy crack <laughs> because he went back and ended up getting back on crack and, and one day he just calls me up and he goes i'm moving to mexico out of the blue out of the blue i'm moving to mexico and i'm like okay <laughs> you're moving to mexico i was like when he goes here in about a month i'm getting the hell out of here because he i can't fucking do it no more i can't stay here it's ruining my life it's ruining my life and i was like i was like you know people are trying to get out of mexico and you're going to Mexico. <laughs> and he's like, I know, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? So he did what he said. You know, Bernie was pretty good about doing what he said. And he'd cleaned him again. He'd cleaned himself up. Went to, uh, ended up, went to Mexico, ended up outside of uh, Tijuana, about 20 miles south of Tijuana in Rosarito, um, New Mexico. I'm sorry, Mexico. And... Again, you know, he's like, I'm trying to fix my life. He lived like a king down there. He got like 100% disability from the VA. And so he's really living like a king down in, in Mexico. 
And and then that's when heroin came in. You know. And then he just started like he never really he which never is very easy to find. Which is there. very easy to find. And he's like he's like he's like, Don't smoke the weed down here. It's terrible. They send all the good weed to the States. And he goes, and the cocaine's shitty. <laughs> and he goes, then he goes, and then he's like, well, you know, just there now and then, you know, just to kind of cut the edge off the day. And I was like, all right, all right, man, you know. And he used to call it putting on his marshmallow shoes. But he didn't shoot heroin, though. Like, he didn't, he didn't do it intravenously. He actually would, like, mix it with water and drip it in his nose. I got to be honest, that's the first time I've that is, that. I, He told me that. I'm like, what, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, it's not as like it's not as harsh as like, you know, shooting it intravenously and cooking it up. And he goes, I don't like needles. <laughs> you know? So I don't want to, I don't feel like shooting myself up. So I found this way. And he, it's not as harsh on the high? I, it, it's, it's more, he, as he put it, because it kind of like seeps into you instead of like just straight into your vein. So it's a gradual. So so he goes, yeah, you you get high, but it's not like that intravenous slam, you know. And he's like, and then you know. So and he used to, he used to tell he goes he goes really he goes it makes me normal. That's what he used to say because through his times of being in and out of rehabs and the VA, they they diagnosed him with bipolarism. And they actually did like a scan, like a I don't know if it was an EKG or some kind of brain scan, and they're like, your brain is completely wired differently than most people in the world. And he used to tell me, he goes, he goes, you know, heroin makes me feel normal. And he goes, he goes, and if I, if I smoke meth, he goes, I go to sleep. And I was like, that's, that's the opposite of what meth is supposed to do to you. You know that, right? And he's like, yeah, I, I know. He I goes, I've never had one person tell me they fall asleep. Yeah. He goes, he goes, I smoke it. And he's like, and he's like, he goes like an hour later, I'm asleep. Oh, wow. He goes, I don't really like it because it's not doing what it's supposed to do. I was like, okay. Um, so he decided that, you know, he was going to leave Mexico. He was there for about two years. Decided that he was going to go home. And then he was going to see his parents. And then he was actually going to come here and live with us. He wanted to move to Nashville. He was like, oh, I got to get out of Mexico. It's crazy. And I'm tired of living here. And Mexico's crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah I know. That's why I said, like, whoa, no kidding. <laughs> so he was going to move here with us, and he was going to stay at my place until he got everything sorted out and got his own place and everything. Well, in the meantime, he was he was trying to kick heroin again. That's when he was trying to kick it, you know. So he was doing some different things. He got and got like Suboxone. I'm like, well, Suboxone is not really getting yourself off heroin. And this is while he's at your house. This is why he's at my house. And, um, well, well, he actually... Well, he went out and found his favorite thing, which is crack, here in Nashville. And well, he t- took my car one night, and and uh, you know couldn't find him for a day. And I knew what he was doing. You know, I was like, "Fuck." Yeah. yeah. And of course, he felt super bad when he came back. You know, and I was like, "I was like, you 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 got to get some help, man. You know, you you got to go to the VA and get some help, bro." He's like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry about the thing. I was like, I was like, I, I know, man. I knew, I knew what you were doing, you know, when you, when, when I, when I couldn't find you, you know. And he's just like, I oh, know, man. It's bad. It's bad. He goes, I just, it's just so, it's so easy for me. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what's difficult is confronting the problem. When you, I mean, him being your best friend, you had, know. you had to confront him and. I mean, yeah. that's not an easy conversation. No, it's not. It wasn't. You know, I, I, I like gave him the night off, you know, the day off before we actually sat down and talked. And I'm like, 
I was like, you know, I mean, I got kids here, dude. You know, my kids were, you know, they were old enough, you know. I was like, you know, they love you, and but they don't understand, you know, they're not dumb. Yeah. You know, so he's like, yeah, he goes, he goes, I'm just going to go ahead and go. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to Philadelphia and, and, you know, figure things out there. And I was like, all right, man, you know, and just, you know, I always hoped with his addiction that me just being his friend and a voice of reason, you know, that that was helping him, you know, as far as, you know, every day I just kept thinking, this is going to be, this is going to be the one, you know, this is when Bernie's going to clean up and cause he's a, he's a super great guy. He was my, my best friend. And, you know, there's nothing that that guy wouldn't do for you, which is crazy, you know? And, um, it's like even one of the guys that we were in the army with, Sergeant McLehaney, he said one time, he goes, he goes, you know, man, when you meet Bernie, Bernie changed your life. You know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you know, because he was just a, a smart guy, um, really intelligent. You know, when he wasn't fucked up, he he could do a lot of great things, you know, just, you know, really, you know, kind of always on the hustle a little, you know, always like doing his own thing making his own money, which he always was able to do. But, um, but he had this demon in him, you know, and he couldn't, he couldn't shake loose. And, you know, he always felt better being fucked up. Well, did he, did he ever get the help from the VA for at least? Oh, he, he would been in and out of like, you know, four or five different rehabs. You know, some VA ran, he always told me the most interesting thing. So the last rehab that he'd went to, he had gone to a private rehab. And he goes, it was a group therapy day. He goes, there's about eight of us, you know, sitting in this room with this therapist. And the therapist comes in and sits down and goes, he's like, um, the state of Philadelphia doesn't want you to get better. Wow. And everybody's like, what? And he goes, he goes, he goes, think about it. He goes, the treatment is way more than you getting better. And he's like, he looks at one of the guys who was a heroin addict. He goes, when you're coming in on on 95 into Philadelphia and you see that big giant hypodermic needle on that billboard that says, don't do drugs. He goes, what do you think? And the guy's like, I think about going to do drugs. (laughs) No, that's like a visual. (laughs) Yeah. A visual key kick, you know? Exactly. He's like, I think about going and getting heroin and shooting it, you know? I, you know, and I never thought about that, man. That is that is a, a huge trigger. But that actually, that that I think that was the longest, you know, help for rehab for him. But then, of course, the VA would put him on, you know, you know, like Paxil and different antidepressants and bipolar drugs. And he'd get tired of taking them because he's like, it's like, ah, these drugs all suck the life out of me. You know, I just sit around like, duh, I don't want to do nothing. I have no ambition. You know, I don't have any kind of, he goes, so he'd take himself off of him and then go self-medicate himself. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was in high school, I had uh, major anxiety attacks. Yeah. And for some reason, that got diagnosed as depression, and they put me on Paxil. Yeah, it's it the worst just, stuff ever. zoned me out. I got put on Paxil once, too, and then I just, and, you know, I work in the, in the food, you know, in food and a chef and, you know, I remember being on, I'm like, this is like, you could just walked up to me and we'll be like, hey, check this out, chef. I got, I got dog crap on a plate with some potatoes. And I'd have been like, yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> you know? about right. Like just suck the whole passion out of everything that I, that I did or anything. People walk up and go, look, I'm cut and I'm bleeding pretty bad. I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah. I remember, <laughs> man, it was yeah. – uh, that Paxil was no joke. It man. was no joke. And I remember and then, they, promote, they were promoting that. Oh yeah, they were pushing it big time. Oh, and then, then, everywhere. and then, like sex. I mean, sex was a problem. Like you know, I mean, it's just go and go and go and never, you know, you know, no boom in the dynamite, you know. Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, "Is it me?" And I'm like, I, "I don't know," you know. And then I realized that it was the the the, 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 the this antidepressant drug that I was on. So I decided to take myself off of it. It's like I ain't taking this shit no more. You know, and then I kind of weaned myself off of it, you know, for about 30 days. And then when I went back and saw my doctor, he was like, oh, he's like, how's the Paxil working out for you? I was like, I was like, oh, I stopped taking that. He was like, what do you mean you stopped taking that? I was like, I stopped taking it. He goes, you just can't stop taking it. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, it rewires your brain. Yeah, definitely. And he was like, he's like, how? I was like, well, I weaned myself off. He goes, for how long? I was like, I don't know. It was like 30 days. I just started cutting the dosage back. He goes, it should have been longer. And he's like, do you get brain shocks? I was like, what do you mean brain shocks? (laughs) He's like, well, you're just kind of sitting there and everything just goes in your head. I was like, "Uh, yeah. He goes, yeah, that's why you should have called me. (laughs) Yeah. So Bernie was on the same medicine. Yeah, he got he, but he taken himself. I need to been on other 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 antidepressants, bipolar medication, and you know, and he just go right back to you know his love of, of of drugs, and he liked being kind of an outlaw. So they didn't after 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 Philadelphia, and he left there again. He went back to Mexico. He's like, I'm going back to Mexico, and I'm like, yeah, you sh- you were a lot happier there, you know. And he's like, yeah, I was pretty happy. So he went back to Mexico and he was living there for probably like another three years. And then his dad was getting sick and getting ready to die. So he felt the need to um, get back to Philadelphia, you know, for his dad. But again, you know, he's on heroin. Um, So he's back in Philadelphia. Um, His dad dies. I go, I knew his dad, of course, through the years that I've known Bernie, I got to know his family and and I went back. I went to the funeral for his dad, and I could tell then. You know, I'm like, oh man, you you got a bad bro, because you know, like the the heroin in Mexico was probably better because it wasn't knocked up with a lot of fentanyl and shit, so it was probably more pure for him there. But I could definitely tell that what he was doing in Philadelphia was really fucking him up. Yeah. And he was still continuing doing it the same way that he'd always done. I'm like, man, you got you got to get to the VA. You know, you got to get there, man. You need, you need to, you need to get away. Well, you uh, said he's it, been in rehab four or five times already yeah, at this point. Yeah. And um, and his dad had just died, and he, I remember him looking at me and just, just like tears in his eyes. He goes, "Man, I'm so glad you're here." He's like, I, "I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it, man. I can't do it." And and I was like, "Man, I was like, you got, you got." I, I was like, "I'll drive you there because I drove there to Philadelphia from here." And I was like, "I was like, I'll drive you there today. I'll take you to the VA, man." I was like, no, 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 I'll go get there. He's just, I just need, you know, there's just so much going on right now. There's just so much, so much. And um, I would say probably about a month after his dad died, um, he, well, he, he jumped off the I-95 overpass onto the highway and killed himself. And then, and then, um, and on his way down, uh, a van that had a family in it hit him. And the only thing I could think of was just like, I was like, you fucking bastard. 
you fucking bastards. You ruined those people's lives. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's you know, I still get sad about forget. that family that, you know, and I'm just like, and I'm fucking mad at you. You know, I am fucking pissed off at you. You, you could have saved yourself, you know? Let me ask you this. What is it about the, the rehabs that he was at that you believe didn't work? Because he's been in there four or five times. It didn't work because he didn't want him to work. That's the key. And he and he just he, he he just always felt like he was just being bullshitted too. You know, he's like, oh, this is just all bullshit. You know, it was almost to the fact where like he'd play the game for a while just so he could get back out there and do what he liked doing. Well, I'll, t- what, I'll tell you this, man. With all the individuals I've met throughout this whole documentary process, right. and I mean, if you do not get to the root of the problem, right. Everything else is just a band-aid. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I and mean, you know, and he never told if there was a route to that problem, he he never told me. Yeah. I mean, there could have been something that happened when he was younger, I don't know. Well, that's that's you know, my whole that that twisted him up so badly. Yeah. No, that's my whole theory is that, you know, every individual is unique when you go to rehab, it's you have steps that you take and you're pretty much every individual that comes in is doing the exact same rehab. The counseling right. may be a little different because you're speaking right. about personal problems, but this process is still the same. And you've right. got to, you have to be able to accommodate every individual, you know, in a unique fashion right. or it's, it's, you're always going to get the exact same outcomes. Right. And I believe, uh, uh, you know, the rates of recidivism when it comes to, you know, drug use and, you know, the population in the incarcerated that, you know, are there because of drugs. It's, it's the numbers right. are just, just going it's, up and it's up, It's staggering. It's, not, it's staggering. It's and they're not down. really getting any, you know, like even with him, even though, you know, he may have chose not, you know, not to, you know, to use the help, you know. Cause like I said, he was a pretty intelligent guy and he just sometimes he'd just be like, yeah, they just keep telling me the same shit. Yeah. They're like, they don't know what's going on in my head. I don't fucking know, you know. Well, where were you when uh, you got the news? Uh, I was actually driving home from work, and his girlfriend called me, and she's like, she's, she's, she's like, she's like, Bernie, Bernie killed himself. And to the point, because she had sent me a text, and I saw, like, hey, I need you to call me. And, and I, I, could, I, I already knew. Like, before I called her, I was like, I know, I know what he did. But I didn't know in the tragic way that he decided to go out, you know. You know, when she told me, I was like, I was like, how did he do it? And she's like, he jumped off, he jumped onto the, off a bridge onto I-95. And I was like, I was just like, you know, I'm like, holy shit. You know. Did he have children? He had one, had one. How old was the? Uh, not a year. Wow. Newborn. I mean, it's around. But, you know, like I said, I really, and then, you know. And his girlfriend wasn't any help to him either, you know, as far as his addiction, because she was addicted, you know, and um, so. And how long, what year was this? This was 2019. Okay, have you been in contact with the girlfriend at all? Or? Um, well, she ended up getting into some trouble, which, you know, kind of pissed me off a lot. So I kind of got cut her out because, you know, she was like, taking methadone she was getting going to the methadone clinic and getting methadone every day but then she started keeping it and she sold a bunch of it to an undercover officer with the kid in the back seat you know 
And I, of course, the state comes in, takes it away, and you know, it's just a, it's just a continuous sad story of of what he left behind. Yeah. You know, this this kid that was one year old who would never know his father. You know. And may she, not like the mother. They may like, not like the mother who has now been bounced in and out of a you know like you know her his his mom had him for a while, and then some great friends that I'd met, you know through him. They actually took them in why like the whole you know child service case was going through court and everything and and took care of took care of him and um you know but I really just you know I was so fucking pissed off you know by all this I'm like you you fucking bitch what is wrong with you you know well I mean that's the <laughs> thing is it, it that's my whole with the documentary it was the aftermath of addiction it's the I know even though I spoke to individuals that made it through it and i mean the beginning of of my documentary um many people have already asked me what happened to that guy that was at the beginning because i have my buddy marcus who will be on the podcast next week who was using at the beginning of the video he is alive and well and he is actually helping the others facing the same thing well that's kind of he's turned a you know that negative into a positive now he's helping save lives right but people don't realize the shock of losing someone to drugs, suicide, right. it, it's hard. It's hard. But the aftermath is that right. is the part that sucks the worst because it's not just one moment of shock. It is a lifetime of misery. Right. And it's sometimes sometimes you can learn to accept it. Sometimes you can't. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that kind of happened to me with the whole thing was is, is – I guess I just didn't realize how much it had affected me, you know, just in general, you know, I mean, there was, you know, long periods of me just, you know, standing in my garage alone, just crying, you know, just, you know, thinking about, you know, what could I have done better? What could I have done more for him? Was I a good enough friend? You know, that is the, you know, was I a good enough friend? Did I do all the, did I, you know, or was I just, you know, or was I helping him or, you know, or, you know, I don't know. I just, it's a, all those questions that still, I still think about, you know, you know, and then of course, you know, leaving his son behind and his mom and his sister and, you know, his, you know, his friends in Philadelphia and me and my wife, cause I mean, like when we were in the army, there was the three of us really, cause it's all we had, you know, we were just out there young kids on our own and we just kind of just like chunk became, you know, a family, you know, just because I don't want to forget this question. Do you know uh, where his son is now? Well, he's still in Philadelphia. Um, his mother does have custody of him. She did send me a message once and said that she was clean and that she's trying to make a better make a better life for herself and do right by Adam, you know. But I I just have this trust issue with her, you know. And sometimes I feel like maybe she's just saying these things to you know, to manipulate me to get me to call her, you know. Do you think there would be any harm in contacting her? I did send her. She's like she's like I'm. She, what she said I'm sorry that you hate me so much. And I did send back. Finally, I said, look, I don't hate you. I'm just disappointed in the way things have gone down you know it breaks my heart that you're you're you're, you you did this to a baby you know you know and from my friend my brother who you know 
left him in your care, basically, you know. You know, and um, it was, you know, I mean, that was pretty much it. She's like, well, you can, you you have my number now. If you want to talk to me, you can. But I, I just feel like, you know, um, that, you know, that she could have been part of the reason too, you know, because she even said, you know, when I went there for the funeral for him and, um, and she was like, you know, she's like, if, if we had had some money and he, he would have had heroin, he probably wouldn't have jumped off the bridge, but he was dope sick. You know, it's a interesting theory. Yeah. So you haven't spoken to her since though? No, no, but I have talked to his, his friend who, who took care of Adam while that the whole child service thing was going through. And, and I had sent him a message and asked him, I'm like, who are just a, a great family, you know, <laughs> these, these two, you know, big, you know, good old Irish Catholic family, you know, lots of kids. So them, you know, taking Adam, it was very easy for them. And, you know, after, after his girlfriend had contacted me, I was like, and I contacted, you know, him and I said, Hey, what's, what's going on with her? Is this true? And he's like, yeah, she's, yeah, she says she's cleaned up. She seems okay. I was like, do you still see his son? And he's like, every now and then she brings him over. A lot of times he's with, you know, either his Bernie's sister or his mom, mostly a lot of times, because I guess she got a job and it's like, yeah, she's got a job, but she's, he's like, this is like her third one since she's supposedly cleaned up because I'm really not sure. I was like, yeah, I understand what you're saying, you know. It's and it's hard to tell, you know, because you know she's 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 a good actress. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the that's the thing. And for my situation, Doc was a he's a you great know? actor. You yeah, know, he knew exactly what to say, how to say yeah. it, and you know how to push it off to where I wouldn't ask the question again. Right. So I I got to be honest, man. For for me, it took me years to forgive. Yeah, and it wasn't just forgiving doc for leaving it was forgiving myself for not knowing yeah forgiving myself for not intervening more uh right of course i didn't i didn't know i was right. i was much younger and um but um, i didn't know but that forgiveness man it's it, that's a that's a hard thing to give you know with everything that it was going on to at the time you know and even like to the point where like i didn't realize like i said again you know it, it affected me pretty heavily it was you know it was causing problems at my job and things like that you know finally to the like you know my boss sits me down and he's like he's like you know it had been almost six or seven months and he's like bro are, are, are you okay and i was like what do you mean he goes he goes man he goes you just haven't been the same you know he goes, he goes, he's like, I don't want to like bring up hard things. He goes, but you haven't been the same since, you know, your friend killed himself. And I was like, and I just sat in there and I was like, wow, I oh, mean, is it that noticeable? You know, is it that noticeable? And, um, I was like, I was like, you know, man, I was like, I was like, I guess it's affecting me more than I actually thought, you know? Wow. And he goes, he goes, it's, it's, he goes, like it's it shows man he goes there's you you know do you need help he goes i'll be happy to you know unfortunately i was kind of working at a country club then he's like he goes there's plenty of doctors here you know no. psychologists and psychiatrists that you know would you know it's good you're willing to talk to you though. you know if you wanted you know and i'm like 
So, you know, just, you know, as, you know, as a man, when you're out there in the world, you know, I'm tough and I have no feelings and don't worry about me. Everything's fine. You know, everything's fine. Um, and, you know, time had passed and I hadn't really, hadn't really done anything about it, but it was still kind of eat me up. And, you know, and after this thing had happened with, you know, his son and his girlfriend, um, his sister sends me a message, you know, and was like, She's like, she's like, can we talk? You know, his sister was like three or four years older than him. So she's like, you know, he hit his teens when she was already gone to college and things like that. So, and, um, she's like, can we talk? And and I'm like, yeah. So probably January of 2020, you know, I, I finally just kind of realized to myself, I was like, I was like, I can't, I can't carry his burden no more, you know, cause he never wanted me to tell his family what, what was going on. You know, like his mom, you know, I'm surprised he didn't know, but, um, he was always like, don't ever tell him, you know, don't just, you know, don't, don't make him worry. Well, not playing, I'm not playing advocate for no, the family, but no. it, it being in that situation myself, you, it's so easy to overlook the signs. Yeah. Cause everything's right there. It's like, it's like, I, I kind of compare it to when my mom comes and she hasn't seen the kids in like a month right. and she's like, Oh man, you know. Beck's gotten so big, and I, I look at him like. Uh, then I look yeah. back at a picture. I'm like, oh man, oh, he yeah, has. yeah. You just don't notice because you're right there, right? You know, so man, yeah. that's it, it, that's a that's a difficult factor being so close to it. You do yeah. miss sons. Yeah, and uh, like I said, I with um. So finally, you know, and and it was a couple days. I was like, I was like, let let me take a day off. I was like, because it's gonna take me some some time, you know. I was like, because I think you need to know. She's like, okay. She's like, just let me know. And I was like, how about if we do it, you know, whatever day it was. I think it was like a Tuesday or something, sorry. Like a Tuesday or something. And and I called her. And I just laid it out to her, you know. I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, you know, I was like, I, I just can't, I can't do this no more, you know. It's like, it's so bad that it's eating me up. And I was just like, you know, your brother was 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 really a heroin addict which she really didn't have any idea about. And I had to tell them a, a whole a whole nother story that I haven't even talked about as far as um, them getting out of Mexico because, you know, his girlfriend was pregnant in Mexico and had the baby in San Diego, but child services had taken the baby away there because, well, she fucking was hot for heroin. when And, of course, you know, it... It was a crazy story about them, you know, and the thing that he had to do, because he actually cleaned himself up because he knew he was going to be leaving Mexico and she was going to have this baby. He was like, there's no way in hell that I'm going to have this fucking baby in Mexico. You know, I'm going to get into San Diego and we're going to have, she's going to, we're, we're both getting cleaned up. Ooh. <laughs> but uh, ding, You're, the time is now. <laughs> but um, he, um, he's like, I'm getting clean. He's like, because we got to have this baby. And he goes, there's so much, you know, rampant, you know, drug use. And they're going to see that we've been living in Mexico. So, you know, they're going to, they're definitely going to test us, you know, for drugs when we get in. And, and he'd cleaned him up. He cleaned her up. So he thought, but when they got into the hospital and they tested her, she was fucking positive for fucking heroin. And they took the kid. <laughs> and he's like, look, he goes, I'm the fucking dad. You can piss me right now. You know, you can piss me right now and I'll prove to you that I am not on drugs. I had, you know, no idea that she was 
he didn't even know because I guess like he'd go off and do things in Mexico and then she would score and fucking do heroin. <laughs> so so he was pretty pissed, but he still drug her across the United States. You know. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you the question that I really, you know, built the foundation of all this on. What is your aftermath with all this? Where are you at? Um, well, what what's kind of landing out with his sister, you know, and putting it all out there in front of her and letting her know. Um, there isn't, you know, I'm still, you know, I still have some, I still cry for him sometimes, you know, like there's certain songs that'll hit me and I'm just like, you know, yeah, that's the one, you know. <laughs> um, but really just me, you know, telling his sister everything that I knew up until this point, you know, really helped me out a lot. And then I realized that, you know, as much as I thought I could save him, I couldn't, you know. You can, you know, I've had, I guess, some, you know, some realizations about how, you know, as much as you can be a good friend and and hope you're doing all the right things, it, it takes that, it takes the person who wants to fix themselves. And as much as you can say or do or think you're being, you know, I always tried to be a positive outlet for him and, and I couldn't save him, you know. I, I think one of the biggest things is, you you can't own someone else's addiction. Yeah. You can't own someone else's even mental health. You can you can try to intervene, you can step up, but Right. until like you said, if they don't want it, they don't want it. Right. So I mean that's 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 the toughest part is that's why the anger comes and yeah. you know um they're in denial, you're angry. Um it's just a huge collaboration of emotions that take effect and maybe that's the key to success, man. Maybe, yeah. maybe controlling the emotions is the key to success. I, yeah. I, I wish, I wish I knew. And that's what I'm hoping to obtain knowledge wise. I, mean, is I, I that. yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I still, you know, you know, of course, you know, I mean, there's still, you know, moments of sadness for me about him, but you know, I, I'm a lot better off than I was, you know, in 2020, I can, in 2019, I should say. You know, and then I'm like, oh, I feel, you know, kind of after I told his sister everything on the phone, I felt better. You know, I actually like, you know, like I told her, I was like, I, was like, I just can't carry his burden no more. Well, you I can't said, do it. I mean, you've been holding it on. I've been holding it, it on, you know, for, you know, almost, you know, for a while. And it's just, and it's, it's ripping me apart, you know. <clears throat> and, and then, of course, I, I, I did feel a lot better. You know, I'm like, all right. 2020 is the year and then the pandemic happened. I'm like, okay, so it's going to suck. <laughs> Just a joke. Yeah. Um, I still, I suck. still try to keep, try, try to keep in contact with, you know, the friends, you know, his friends in Philadelphia and his sister. Um, it's been a while since I actually talked to his sister. Maybe I'll reach out to her and see how she's doing. And, um, I hope you do, man. You know, and his mom, his mom is, you know, just a a good lady. You know, she was like, you know, again, like my, she was, she's like my mom. You know, the last of that that generation that didn't really have to work if they didn't want to. And you know, I'm at home, you know, making sure the house is good and everything's wonderful. And you know, so so those so those moms are different than the moms today. You know, the moms today they've been out there in the world. You know, they're like, maybe I didn't really want to go out here. <laughs> That's why we kept sending the men out here. You know? Well, I'll tell you, man, it's um I know that 
with this situation, you have regrets. You have things that you know yeah. you tried the hardest. Um, you know, you tried hard to get through to him, and I have those. I have those same. Feelings. Yeah, the same. The same feel. I'm sure there's a lot of the same feelings. You know, you still sit there and go, "Man, what could I've done differently? How could I, I made it better? Well, Should I, think, I just like kidnapped him and threw him in a car and drove him to the VA? Uh, you know, <laughs> but then he would have been angry, right? And it wouldn't have worked. So, but yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's. And then I have the the problem of sometimes I'm like, did I enable him? You know, I that know. is a burden I've carried that, for that a long is, time. You know, another factor that hits my head. I'm just like, God, you know, it was was it me calling him up, you know, and talking to the wee hours of the morning as I sat there and and pounded beer, you know. Well, that that's a burden I I carry. Like, did I enable him? And I could, I could say I, not once for my situation right. did I ever inject the drugs into him. Right? Did I ever no. do that? I understand what you're saying, but yeah, I never, but I never like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a, it's a hard road, you know, to figure out, you know, was, was I not a good enough friend? You know, was it, you know, and those are the questions I always ask myself. I'm just like, man, what, why didn't he call me? You know, and those why didn't he call me before he decided that he was going to go do this? And it'll never be you answered. Know? That's the, that's the pain. Yeah. I'd actually wrote something down that I'd like to read. Please. You know, after, you know, kind of after the funeral and everything, and I was home, and I typed this up. And it said, Dear Bernie, I'm not sure why you did what you did. I do know it had left me with a lot of questions about why. Why didn't you call me? Why wasn't you able to help? Why wasn't I able to help? Why did you leave us all, all of us? It's just constant whys. I feel sad, then I feel angry. We have been through so much together. I still hear your voice and us laughing together, getting drunk on the phone until the wee hours of the morning, talking about the conspiracies of the world. You were my brother. You were my best friend. The guy, I could tell things that I would never tell anyone. Who would listen to, who would listen to my, my bullshit and tell me that I was crazy? I figured you'd be around and we could do some more crazy, crazy things. Now it's over, my friend. I love you, Bernie. You were one of the best things that happened to me. I still remember the day we met in basic training in the Army guarding canteens. You just know when you meet someone and you're, you're going to be friends. Little did I know you, that you really was my brother and we were de destined to meet. The universe is, cra is a crazy thing and it puts people together because it knows they need each other. I need you now, my friend, and you're gone. I hope you can hear my thoughts or are able to read this over my shoulder right now. You'll always be in my heart forever. And with time, I will only remember the good times. And I hope you have found peace and may that the angels speed you away from all this, all your pain. Still makes me cry. Dude, that's, uh, that is tough. I gotta, I gotta say, I never, uh, I wish I would have written something like that out for my situation. But that that was one of the things that kind of helped me, like you know, you know, get over it. You know, I'm I'm not over it, but you know, it's it's tough. You know, and I'm, that's why I'm kind of like here with you, telling my story. That hopefully that it, you know it helps people in their aftermaths of you know people who've you know lost their lives to drug abuse and either oh he's throwing up. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of my story. I'm just hoping that it, it gets out there and helps people, you know, know that, you know, other people have felt, you know, 
very sad and and as much as you want to be able to do things and and help people sometimes you can't you I like I said you can you know they can only help themselves you know well that's the thing is my situation he didn't want to help himself and yeah I'm I'm looking back I can I can see all the red flags I can see everything that I missed when I was when he was alive and right you know the only thing I know how to do is is to forgive him and do my best to forgive myself you know that's the only thing I know how to do but yeah Chris I tell you man I um I really appreciate you coming on here and I appreciate you story. having me on yeah and I hope uh whoever listens to this um you know hope every episode they learn something new that helps them in their situation and you know the goal of everything is to try to change one life right? yeah exactly that's why like I said that's why I want to come on here and kind of give you my story you know maybe it'll somebody will be in the same situation and it'll help them out you know and I didn't say this at the beginning but Chris and I've been friends for quite a while you know uh, um, he was at my bachelor party and I was that was a uh, that was a lot of fun and uh, I'm fun at parties. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But I love you, brother, and I really appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, thank you, man, for having me. Absolutely. That's normal for Dobermans. <laughs> <laughs>